as a program, I think, you know, I, I talked about it when I got here. I want, I want a team that can compete for championships on a consistent basis. You know, and to do that, you're going to have to go, you're going to, to compete for championships, you're going to have to beat Alabama. As, as everybody said last year, what's the margin? Last year it was six points, this year it was two, you know, and hopefully we get one more shot at it. Uh, they've got like 105 star football players on their defense. They have a defensive lineman that weighs 340 pounds and, and runs better than everybody on this call. Five star recruits everywhere and they play really physical. I think Memphis played more mature than we did. I think that, uh, which I don't even know exactly what that means, but they were more advanced than we were. And then um, sometimes morale doesn't need to be boosted. Now you need to boost something, but it's not always morale that needs to be boosted. And between now and tomorrow, I'm going to figure out what it is that needs to be boosted. And whether I'm right or not, we're going to boost something. Well, you know, like I told him, I mean, don't, you know, we're not satisfied by any stretch, but you can't ever apologize for a win. You know. you know, we don't have to have the best players. We just have to have the best team. Our kids have bought into that. Listen, potential doesn't, potential is the worst thing you can have. Because that means you ain't done it. I hate the word potential. Somebody says you got a potential to have a good team. That drives me nuts. That, mean, that means I'm not coaching right and they're not playing right. Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bretton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, do we got a show lined up for the folks. Shane, I issue, on the last pod, I said, hey, if you haven't got your – Review into us at uh, that SEC podcast at gmail.com. Send uh-huh. those on over. I woke up to about 20 emails. So <laughs> hey, I'll say it again. If, you, if you've given us that five-star written review or if you're waiting to do it, you know, just go ahead and do that. Send that on over to that SEC podcast at gmail.com. We'll send you mm-hmm. a beer koozie free of charge. Just uh, our way of saying thanks. So really do appreciate all those coming in. But uh, how you doing, brother? Doing good, man. And and just to continue on that note, Mike, we will read those on Friday. I didn't get to it last Friday, so get ready. We may have just a whole show full of reviews, but I appreciate everybody that did take the time to do that. I support – hey, I'll tell you, the koozie pictures are coming in too, and that's what I love to see. I love to see cold beer and them things, mm-hmm. especially on Saturday, you know, supporting your team and everything. So uh, they about been to every stadium now, so yeah. that's what I love. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, Shane, speaking of what we love – You've been seeing this, uh, you know, we don't want to go on a deep dive on uh, Urban Meyer and all his shenanigans, but before we get into the show, you know, we love to start with something fun if we can, and hey, Mm -hmm. we love poking fun at Urban, and hey, credit to this reporter who really, (laughs) I couldn't believe he asked this thing, Shay, but uh, during Dad Mullen's latest media availability, he asked him a question, and then uh, just wait for the very end of it. I mean, it's, it's priceless, and... Dan Mullen's reaction. If you're watching on YouTube, even better. And again, can I follow up on your competitiveness? Yeah. Like, so with that said, you can't, TV cameras caught you smiling, almost like, like really enjoying yourself as you walked to do the handshake post game with Mark. Okay. Was that, were you smiling at Mark, you know, that you got me here or what? I mean, like it just seemed really off and uh, out of character for you. I don't know. I mean, I, 
I'm sure if you keep a camera on somebody, everything, you can still shot whatever thing that's going on uh, in your mind, you know. Uh, in my mind, at, at that point, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, everything that went on during the course of the game, uh, what we did well, things we have to improve. I'm thinking of how I want to talk to the team, how we got to build it back up. We have a whole long season to go play ahead of us. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you could probably get, uh, if, you, if you keep a camera on me the entire game, you'd probably catch me doing all kinds of things that probably would be like, boy, I wonder why he's doing that at this very second. So. Could be worse, it could be urban, but I was just curious, thank you. All right, Shane. So, hey, he's doing better than Urban. You know, at least he's got that going for him, isn't he? Oh, my God. This thing is spiraling, isn't it? I mean, I'm getting all kinds of reports out of Jacksonville that they're in there in the closed doors. You got them coming out with apologies. I mean, this thing got – I mean, it – I mean, it was already a train wreck before this shit got out. Right. But now we've got this video. It's 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 front and center, and it's the face of the franchise right now. So, Urban, I mean, we there's the joke, you know, the heart, the fake and the heart attack and all that jazz when he was down there in Florida. Right. It makes you wonder what's going to happen here. A lot of people are, are anticipating him jumping to USC, <laughs> but, man, he's in some deep water right now, brother. Yeah, and, and adding to it, Shane, I don't know if you went on this deep dive, but there's People that are reporting on the story, of course, uh, his excuse was he was out with the with the grandkids eating a nice dinner, and then these <laughs> these rowdy people wanted all these photos. Well, then they've went and investigated. His wife was actually babysitting the grandkids at the same time Meyer was out. Oh so gosh. hey, that doesn't sound to be the truth. And man, who who knows what's really going on down there? Mm -hmm. But it, it, it's always a circus with Urban, isn't it? Urban liar, you know, that's why they call it. <laughs> you signed up for it, NFL. <laughs> and I, hey, I kind of want to tie all that into, uh, you know, the big first uh, talking point before we jump around the league, Shane. We're seeing a lot of angst around the SEC and the high pressure, a lot of expectations. So this, we're no, no mm -hmm. strangers to it, but three guys, of course, I wanted to you know, zero in here, Jimbo Fisher at A&M, Dan Mullen at Florida, Cocho at LSU. All three of those guys, fan bases, not exactly thrilled with those three at the moment after some uh, early season losses. And, you know, my guy, Dave Bartu, who runs the uh, CFB Matrix, he's given each of those guys a grade of minus two on the season that's really that mm. that's really bad at least this part this early in the season there's still time to to recoup from that but if you aren't familiar with uh, Bartu's metric it's it's pretty simple TLC talent how much talent you got on your roster of course how mm -hmm. much talent the opponent has the location of the game home or away and that that's how you get your coach effect so Again, Dan Mullen, Ed Orgeron, Jimbo Fisher, all minus two coach effect early in the season, and that is uh, the worst in the SEC. But, you know, let, let's play these clips real quick, Shay, because basically all three of these guys are kind of like battling narratives in the media right now. Right. And then I'll get to my point here. All right, guys, so we had a great meeting this morning, our staff, Teletruth Monday. I want to say this first. Ultimately, I'm responsible for, for the performance of this team. I've always been responsible, and I always will be. First 
and foremost. I want to get that point across today. Thanks. Uh, Coach, why, why do you think, and this is the second time you said it, as respectfully as I can, why do you think it's necessary for you to say that you're responsible? What is, yeah, I just think it's clear that, uh, you know, when things don't go wrong, uh, obviously I get asked questions and maybe they may sound like I'm trying to point the finger or something like that. And as you know me, Ed, and everybody knows me on there, that's not me. I'm going to take full responsibility for everything that happens in this program, and uh, and that's just the way it's going to be. Okay. Um, back first season here uh, after the Missouri game, you you referenced wanting to win and compete with everything, and including some wrestling with a with a lot of passion. Mm-hmm. Is that same sense of urgency and motivation missing from the program right now? Not at all. Not in any way, shape, or form. I promise you that. Yeah, Dan, uh, I'm going to kind of follow up along those lines. Uh, Whether it's right or wrong, a lot of the fans feel like maybe you guys are kind of stalled out at that New Year's Six range. What what is it going to take for you guys as a program to push through and and get back to that SEC title game and in a situation where you can win it? We were were there last year, so. But but do you understand the the concerns about the trajectory, given that you were there last year and now you're five games in looking at a 3-2 and record? No, I mean, each year is independent. Uh, of itself, you know, uh, a lot of different factors go into things from one year to the next. There's a lot of football still to be played this year, so we'll see how this year plays out. Jimbo, how do you coach against allowing the uh, negativity, the losing, to penetrate the locker room? You block it out. Turn it off. Turn social media off. Turn y'all off. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, you you got you to lock into the, that room and only in that room and the people, family, and, and understand that at the end of the day, Listen, y'all are doing your job. Everybody, everybody has their opinions. Everybody's doing their job. Quit. When you write something good, don't listen. When you write something bad, don't listen. Move on. Eliminate the clutter. And that's that's you have to learn to do that. And in our society at this age, in this this young group, it's a very hard thing to do because they live, eat, and survive on it. They've got to learn to turn it off and, and understand that's part of growing up. That you're gonna have to grow up, and people are gonna doubt you. They're gonna love you. They're gonna all based off what you do on a Saturday. And that's. That's the world we're in. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, and that's what people, it's what fans should do, and it's what writers should do. And but you have to eliminate and understand who's really with you and what what has to happen, and who's going to, you know, how you got to listen. And when you have down times or bad moments, got to circle the wagons and trust the people right there with you, and that are in the trenches with you and play ball. At the end of the day, what you got to do Go takes maturity. Back, and it's hard for guys, hard for young men. All right, Shane. So you know, I really wanted to play these clips, and you know, my main point here. And I, I really, you know, I thought about doing this on the last show, but I really wanted to discuss it with you. You know, you can look around the landscape of college football, and I hate to even bring this up, but, you know, Tennessee is a good example. Nebraska, mm-hmm. Miami, Southern Cal. I mean, these are traditional powers in the sport that after a coaching changes, and all those – Aside from uh, Southern Cal, you know, Pete Carroll left for the NFL, but obviously they still had to make a coaching change. Coaching changes have ruined those programs. And particularly when you think about, you know, switching coaches after a couple of years. And, you know, like I said, it's understandable to be upset. Particularly, I, I could see Coach O two years in a row not having a great team here. But, you know, the grass ain't always greener, brother. And, we, we yeah. can't sit here and, and tout the SEC as this juggernaut of a contra- conference, which it is, and then be stunned when one year Dan Mullen wins the East and then the next year, you know, loses to Florida 
and loses to maybe the best Kentucky team of all time. And, you know, mm-hmm. same thing with Jimbo. I mean, should they have lost to Mississippi State? No. Should they have lost to Arkansas? I, I think you could argue no. But, again, I think it speaks to the depth of the SEC West. And, Haley, and, and I'm not calling you out on this because it's everybody and their mother, but even you on the last show said, hey, are, are we fight? is Coach O even going to make it uh, with this gauntlet they got coming up? So, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this, Shane? Because, I personally, I'm a big guy that uh, thinks – you know, we got to let the season play out. And, and, you know, yes, we're looking at LSU's upcoming schedule here and we're saying, oh, God, I don't know if Coach O can survive it. But why are we judging it before he's even been played? What if, you know, what if he beats the vast majority of, of the upcoming opponents? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it, golly, Mike, you want to talk about hot water? All three of these guys are in it. I always think of that. That old meme where had the, the three lobsters are smoking a cigar. It looks like it's a hot tub, and then it backs out, and you realize it's over a campfire. <laughs> you know, it's just like these guys don't realize it, but you know they're they're in some extreme. They're in uncharted territory, man. I, I think I don't. I can't say they're exactly even either. Coach O was kind of a, a rumored hot seat coming into this season. Mm-hmm. And all he's done is put icing on that cake uh, with, with – I mean, it's just been a sloppy start of the season. We're going to hear some more comments from him later. But, you know, there's a lot of excuses coming out of, of, of Louisiana and uh, a lot of fingers being pointed. So, uh, yeah, I think there is going to be yet another hire down there in LSU at the end of this season. Now, Jimbo, uh, I don't think they're the same – category i mean obviously they just gave him an extension they're paying him a shit ton of money Mm -hmm. they do got confidence in their coach but it's one of the most un i would say probably out of all of them the most frustrated fan base just because the the expectations were so high coming into this season and then you got dan one thing that that hurts dan is just his goofy personality it's one thing to lose but it's another to lose and come out and act like you don't care because you may care. Dan may care deep down inside where this – clearly he cares. He wants to win. Mm-hmm. But just his his just his vibe, his persona, when you see Dan, it's, it's, it's frustrating because you want answers and you want this thing fixed. And I don't have the full confidence behind him right now when he comes out and makes comments like this. So, right. um, yeah, it's just it's, – it's, two programs – I mean, all three of these programs are nowhere where they, they – they had higher expectations coming to this season, and now how do they rebound? And, and you can't just fire coaches, like you said at the start of this, man. You're if you make one bad hire, it will set you back a decade. I, I mean, look, you, you joked about Tennessee. Look, when I'm not saying Lane was a bad hire, but when they brought Derek Dooley in, that literally set this program back ten years. USC, same thing. You could argue that Lane Kiffin being out there set them back. There's uh, there's just one bad hire. You can't just bounce back like you used to. And and these storied programs, Texas A&M, LSU, Florida, it, you know, these kids that are coming to these universities these days do not care about tradition like they used to. They're not going to these programs because their great-granddads loved it. They're going there because they want to get to the NFL. And if your games are getting pushed to noon or they're getting pushed to uh, different channels, they don't want to play there. It's all about the money. And 
and now I th- I think more than ever with the name in- image likeness that there is going to be a shift in college football and it's going to be about who can pay and who can get me on TV the most. And if you keep losing games, you're going to fall you're going to start losing recruits that way. Mm-hmm. And may- maybe the perfect example like you said, you know, one wrong coach move sets you back. Of course, I think of Brent Zerneman. What did he tell us, Shane? If if they didn't land Jimbo, they would have got Chad Morris. I mean, where would A and M? Oh yeah, that's just a you know that just goes to show you that you just don't know until you hire the guy. I mean, that seems laughable at this point. Yeah. But Chad Morris was a hot commodity. You know, I mean, look at look at Saban. Saban wasn't the first choice to Alabama. Right. They tried to hire Rich, Rod- Rich Rodriguez. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and how well, and how well's the sheriff doing right now, or whatever his damn nickname is? <laughs> so I don't know. I just think that's something to think about. And of course, I think you know, based on these three situations, Jimbo certainly, you know, maybe you know, some people rolled their eyes when they gave him that extension, but you know, I think this is uh, potentially a situation where you know, A and M can avoid all the hot seat talk, and and you know, if nothing else. I think we've come to realize that at a lot of these schools, patience pays off, and you just you yeah. just can't be flipping coaches left and right because you're not happy with what just happened. I mean, hell, Texas A&M just had their highest finish since like 1930 last season, and mm-hmm. yet people are upset. Dan Mullen, I saw someone the other day say, "Well, hell, Dan Mullen got bailed out by Kyle Pitts last year. Kyle Pitts was a three star nobody wanted. He turned him into the highest." Right drafted tight end of all time uh let's not forget trask i mean he had literally one scholarship offer he's now a quarterback for tampa bay bucks uh felipe franks was a complete bust until dan mullen got his hands on him uh and i think the thing with dan and you kind of hit on it he's kind of an asshole but it's just that's who he is and he doesn't take losses well he's not he's never going to handle it right and sometimes i think he doesn't handle winning with the class way, and I, I think of the, the Darth Vader costume, but that's just who he is, and, and he really is, at the end of the day, a really good football coach, and I would agree that uh, you know he got out coached last week on the road at Kentucky, but that's kind of the beauty of college football, man. You just don't know what you're going to get week in, week out, and you know, let's mm-hmm. not forget they got this quarterback, Anthony Richardson, who certainly looks like he's still hobbled, but Let's say next season he's a legit Heisman finalist, maybe even the winner. I mean, how good is Florida going to be if they have that dynamic of a quarterback? And there's no guarantee that if they run Dan Mullen out, the next coach is going to know how to utilize his talent. And there's no guarantee with uh, the transfer portal that Anthony Rich is going to stick around. So, you right. know, I, I, you got to take all these things in, into perspective before you you start running a coach off, I really do think. Yeah, I again, this is it's that time of the year, Mike. This is everybody's when you're coming into the season and everybody's undefeated, that you never feel I mean, that's the best you feel about your program. Then when you drop one, you start questioning things, and then you drop the second, you start blaming people. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's where these schools are at. Um, now let me ask you, I think this is going to be an easy answer. Out of these three, uh, which one's getting fired first? Let's just. We just had I mean, a whole segment on keeping these coaches there. Now you're like, oh, who are we firing? I but, know. Uh, no, I, I'm just. I'm. I'm. I want to be realistic here. I, I just, if you had to put money on it, which one's getting? Which one's getting the boot? 
I mean, I think you'd have to say Coach O as much as we love him, and, and I think a lot of it has to do mm-hmm. with the, uh, you know, the off the field issues. But even that, I struggle with because I look at this team and I see a ton of potential. Obviously, they're not reaching at all, but particularly with the freshmen and sophomores on this roster. And that's not to say the next coach couldn't, you know, maximize that talent even more. But I, I think you run the risk if you're LSU of not getting the most out of those freshmen and sophomore if you get rid of Coach O, because who knows who's going to stick around with the transfer portal. So right. I see a you know a potential SEC contender on this roster in in a year to or two, and there's no guarantees that that's going to happen. But I will say this of LSU and. You know, they've won three national championships in recent times with Nick Saban, Les Miles, and Ed Orgeron. And I think that gives that program a ton of confidence that, you know, as long as – it's not like you could just hire anybody, but as long as you got a right. qualified coach down there, you should be an SEC and national championship contender. So, And maybe that speaks to that, that, you know, the program really is greater than any individual coach down there. So – let me let me ask you one last question, Mike, and I'm gonna put you on the hot seat here. Uh, all three are gone at the end of the season. I don't think it happens. Mm-hmm. I, I truly think I think we're overreacting a little bit here. But let's just pretend that all three open up and you go out and you're looking for a coach. How would you rank these jobs? Like you, you just kind of I think you tipped your hat a little bit there with LSU, but uh, in order, if you were a new coach, you're everybody wants you. Which one is, I guess, if you're looking at the resumes that you would want to hire first? You're saying of these three coaches or, the, or these three programs? No, no, the three programs, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. you're just a – I don't want to put any names out there or anything like that because there's plenty of them floating around. But let's just say you're an NFL guy. You're coming to the – you're getting heavily recruited to the college league. Uh, there's three openings in the SEC. There's LSU. There's Florida. There's Texas A&M. In your order, which one is the most attractive? I think I'd go with Florida. And the main reason why, because these this is a tough decision. They're all – I mean, they're all elite level – they're all in fertile recruiting grounds. But the one thing that Florida's got that LSU and A&M don't, and maybe this will be changing with the, you know, the, with the divisions potentially going away, there ain't no Nick Saban in the East. And I, I really do think, <laughs> yeah. I mean, until he's out of there or until Alabama takes a, you know, a step back, I mean, hell, Coach O's won a national championship two years ago. People are fired up. Yeah. If, uh, let's say, Jimbo – and the Aggies get destroyed on Saturday against Alabama. There's going to be they're going to be upset fans once again. So uh, I realize Georgia's in the East, but I think Florida's proven historically they can compete with them. And hell, they just beat them last year. So yeah, I think Florida right now, in my opinion, I would go with that. I, I think the path to Atlanta is a lot lot easier in the East than it is in the West right now. One last question, Mike, before we get on. Now, I do want to ask you about – I, I all this is going on in my head here. I feel like Dan isn't at his dream job. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. your take on it, but I just feel like this, you know, with the rumors of the NFL mm-hmm. and everything like that, do you see Dan in Gainesville in four years? I'm not thinking – I, I don't think he ever gets fired. But I do think there could be – there could come a point he actually leaves. So I'm just curious, your thought is, is this a forever home? Because you'd love to have a 
Everybody wants a Nick Saban. Everybody wants a, a coach to come in there, coach there for 10, 15 years, win a few national championships, always be competitive in your conference. That's what we all want. Mm -hmm. It is so tough to be because you look around the landscape of the SEC, how many coaches we, we just constantly revolve. We're looking for that perfect coach. And I do think Dan is elite. I do think that he's a, a good fit down there in Gainesville. However, I just get that vibe, too, that he doesn't want to be there sometimes, especially in the offseason. And now, with a little heat on him, with two losses, we're, not, we're just now starting October. It makes you wonder, is he going to be one of the first guys that takes the opportunity to go somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, that's historically who he's always been, trying to get his name involved in other programs. Now, he was at Mississippi State, and, you know, historically that is an incredibly difficult place to win. You're behind the eight mm -hmm. ball because because you're in Nick Saban's division, because you're in LSU's division, uh, both Mississippi programs. I mean, that was a heated, heated rivalry at the time. Then you throw in A&M in there, and Arkansas was – you know, they've had their ups and downs, but basically the mm -hmm. entire time Dan Mullen was there, Arkansas was competitive. So maybe that had a little bit to do with it, but it's translated to, like you said, the Florida Gators. I mean, now that he's having success, he's eyeing the NFL, and he's mm -hmm. a Northeastern guy. So what happens if, you know, the Penn State job opens or the Michigan job opens or something like that? Would, would right. he be intrigued by those? He's He tried to get hired on at Michigan one time. Uh, when he was Mississippi State's coach, would he again? I think he would jump uh, at an NFL job as well. So, yeah, I, I kind of get that feeling. And it's it's. I don't think it's a reflection, honestly, of, of the Florida program. I think it's a reflection on him and his – he's just like an – he's he's an interesting guy. You know what I mean? And and I just – it just yeah. doesn't seem like recruiting is his main thing. He seems like he's a X and O's genius. And right, I, and that right. suits NFL better, and maybe that suits Big Ten better. I don't know, but hell, I I I certainly wouldn't want to run him <laughs> off if I'm the Gators, because I I know things are bad this week, and 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 it's doom and gloom and all that. But uh, I really think he's one of the top ten, if not top five, head coaches in college football right now. All right, interviews over, Mike. <laughs> Well, all right, buddy, we went and burned all that time. You ready to go around the league? Oh, there's other teams? <laughs> let's do it. Now let's go now around the league. Um, what, what, what is 12 personnel? You know, I, I, I got to get up. Two tight ends? And two wide receivers or one? I, I'm just kidding. I don't know what 12 personnel is. <laughs> So, <laughs> worry about playing Alabama. I can't figure out whether or not the Big Ten and Back 12 are going to yo yo around and play football with us or not. I mean, they're playing great. Love it. Love the game. Awesome game. It's unbelievable for our country. Uh, it's, it's great for our universities. It's great for our towns when we play. It's great for our young men. Uh, you know, it, I think it's personally I think it's the greatest game in the world. So, if they elect to play, great. If they don't, yeah, you know that's 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 on them. I, I got enough crap to worry about with preparing for Alabama and figuring stuff out at Mizzou. So the team is in great spirits. I know there was a lot of doom and gloom. I saw and heard a lot about how uh, the the hopes of our season hinged on the results of an MRI, and frankly, or frankly, that's bullcrap. 
Uh, we've got a hell of a football team. And whether one guy's in or out, we got 117 other guys that are ready to step up no matter who's out. We got Kevin. All right, I'm not a big opening statement guy, and plus you guys are going to ask whatever you want to know anyway. So let's just go ahead and get started. Is there any questions? Young man from Destrohan, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Uh, great young man. So, hey, I've been waiting for this one for you, buddy. Tennessee hosting South Carolina mm, this mm, weekend mm, in Neyland mm. Stadium. It's going to be another nooner for uh, these two. But uh, historically, they've played things close uh, year in and year out. Doesn't matter. It doesn't seem to matter who the coaches are. Obviously, the players changing over left and right. But, mm-hmm. you know, I was going back and watching this Troy game this morning. And, man, I'm disturbed because South Carolina – you know, it's almost like LSU. They have no faith in their offensive line. They they can't run it up the middle. They can't run it in between the tackles. And this is Troy they're playing. I'm, I mean, this ain't Alabama or Georgia they're playing. Damn right. near every run they have is a sweep or a reverse or some kind of, you know, thing to go on the outside just because their line is just not holding up against anybody. And then here you got Tennessee, one of the better – uh, run defenses in the SEC, so that doesn't necessarily bode well for the the Gamecocks. But they do lead the SEC in 14 forced turnovers, and that'll be critical to this game going on the road and, and trying to get their first road SEC win. But let me ask you this, Shane, because this is something Shane Beamer was asked about today during his press conference. But uh, obviously with Josh Heupel and Shane Beamer both being in their first years, They've been going head-to-head on the recruiting trail quite a bit. They've been going head-to-head on the the transfer portal (laughs) recruiting quite a bit. So, (laughs) you know, the first game, I'm not saying it's like going to make or break either program, but uh, I think there's a lot on the line for both of these to kind of be able to prove to everybody that, hey, look, we are further along than than them. And I think that's Mm going to be vital for – uh, their success on the recruiting trail this week. Do you buy into that? No, I, I'm with you, Mike. And I, I'll tell you, it feels like a tale of two programs right now. I, I don't think – I at this point oh, – here we are, what, October 5th, you're listening to this on the 6th. At this point, I don't think momentum has been higher than it is in Knoxville for many, many years, brother. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, the hype train is real. These guys are excited that the offense finally has found their identity. They're moving the ball. South Carolina on the other side of the game, I think they need a major rebound or they are going to spiral. They're on the verge. They barely won this damn Troy game. They they should have lost it two or three times the way they, they were playing and just giving the ball mm-hmm. away. So that that part has me worried, especially with a young uh, Coach Beamer here, that if these guys lose and lose ugly, it, it wouldn't surprise me if South Carolina loses out. I don't know. I don't have their schedule ahead of me, but it's just it feels like the morale's going in the wrong direction. Now it's big for Tennessee. Because, I mean, we just – I feel like we secured a bowl game beating Missouri last week. But, like I said, it's all about the offense. So, when you look at these two programs, a lot of people don't think about South Carolina's defense. But South Carolina's got a, a nasty little defense at times. Right. 
Uh, I, I don't know how many defensive touchdowns they got, but it's got to be close to the top. I mean, these guys will capitalize if you make a mistake. So that's their best shot is getting Hooker rattled. You know, yeah, <laughs> that should be and that should be on the front page. You know, we talked about that all last week with the Missouri Tennessee game. You know, that was the one that each of those teams needed to make that potential postseason bowl. But this is a game where you lose all that momentum, kind of like you're saying. I mean, because yeah. this is one where you're looking at the schedule, you're counting it as a win if you're Tennessee because you're at home because it's a South Carolina program that's in rebuilding mode. And you stand to lose all that momentum if you drop this one. So there's there's pressure, I think, on the Vols. But let me ask you this, because this is something that I hit on on the last episode as well. You know, we're seeing the effect of home field advantage and the value of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure we're going to get that from the, the Tennessee faithful. I mean, I know there's going to be plenty of fans show up, but it isn't, like I said, it's a noon game. It's South Carolina. What was... What was the biggest home game so far for Tennessee Pitt? I mean, and they – I don't want to yeah. say they laid an egg, but, of course, they lost that game. And I don't think it was a sellout. I think it was a, a pretty nice stadium. But what are you anticipating mm-hmm. from Vol Nation? Because, like you said, they're they're buzzed. They're feeling good. I think Tennessee really, really, really needs the fans to show up in full force because, like I said, the South Carolina Tennessee are historically very, very close. And – the home yeah. field advantage could be the difference in this ball game. Do you? What do you think? Well, yeah, it was a deflated program, Mike. When we lost to the Gators, we, we it's always seems like a downer right after that one. It, it just takes a little while for us to rebound. But I told you the fact we were able to hang with them for so long helped us going into this week and just building confidence with this young team. They continued to do that in Mizzou. These kids are having fun. I'm telling you, these fans are having fun. I mean, have you ever been – you've probably never been caught up in a Twitter war with the <laughs> University of Tennessee. And, and if you haven't, I mean, you, I'm telling you, these, these guys are excited. So, I don't think crowd noise is going to be a problem at all. In fact, I think the university is even trying to orchestrate some additional crowd noise, bringing out the black jerseys and making this thing a bigger deal than than it probably looks like on paper. So, uh, yeah, I I think we're going to be fine here as far as crowd noise. But like you said, I will say, Mike, it has been – I mean, look at the Kentucky-Florida game. If if we played this game in 2020, Florida would have won that game. Mm -hmm. But the fact that the crowd noise was involved, I'm not expecting Neyland to get that rowdy, but they could. I'm telling you, a lot of things happen when you score 50 points, you know what I'm saying? Right. So I'm not ruling it out. So this is gonna be a this is gonna be a really tough ball game. And a lot is on the line for both of these programs. Yeah, and one area we have not yet mentioned, Shane, the special teams. South Carolina special teams has been playing some really good football here lately. And Tennessee, they started strong, but they've been making mistakes left and right in the special teams the last couple of weeks. Of course, you know, it's two games ago. What, what do they have? Uh, like nine players on the field, for, I guess, Florida at one yeah. point. And so I don't know. That is Beamer ball. I mean, I, I really do believe that's a thing. So <laughs> South Carolina could potentially have the edge on the special teams. And that's how, that's, oh, that's how you go on the road and steal a game is, is by making big plays in special teams. 
I'll tell you, Mike, I haven't heard a lot of name image likeness stories coming out of South Carolina, but if anybody deserves a house, it's Parker White. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this kid is automatic. So, Ryan, if this thing came down to a field goal, I'd give them a nod. No, not even close. Mm -hmm. And when you look back at the uh, the offense the past five weeks, the running game really started to break loose in the second half last week. But particularly with the inside zone, runs up the middle, just what has been the, the problem there about trying to get that on track early and getting it on track for good? Yeah, certainly we have to be able to do that. You know, against Kentucky, there's a 380-pound nose tackle that is hard to move. That would be one thing with them. Um, Troy built a little bit differently and, and uh, you know, a couple times on some zone plays, their linebackers do a great job of Troy's, I mean, fitting it and, and coming off uh, when they say a double team coming off. And we got to be better with our eyes and coming off the second level of blocks. And, and really, David, it's, it's uh, sustaining blocks and just – Finishing plays and and straining uh, to to finish and, and keep your head in the in the in the right hat placement and, and not give up a gap and things like that. So you know every week is is different and like I've been saying with the run game all along, it's a combination of things. Whether you're running counter schemes, gap schemes, outside zone, inside zone, pin and pull, you know it's a host of things and running in the, running the ball uh, inside and, and up the middle. Uh, it's no different, but we got, you know, Vershawn Lee was our player of the game, talented guard. Eric Douglas is a leader on this offense at center. Javon Gwynn's uh, leader of this offense at guard. And, you know, we trust those guys on the interior. We've got to be able to run the ball downhill and, and move people, but also put together a scheme each week that gives those young men a chance to be successful. Shane, with you and Coach Heupel coming in in the same offseason and both programs apparently coming off a similar 2020, there's probably going to be a lot of comparisons of the two programs, not just this year, but in, in the next few years. Is You think that's a fair comparison? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, you guys, that's better for you guys, but certainly uh, similar programs. Uh, you know, both had didn't have years last year that they wanted to have um, both programs were, you know, affected by uh, attrition, people leaving the transfer portal. Obviously, they've got two guys that would be on their offense right now that are playing at Oklahoma, and they've got one guy on their defense that's starting at Alabama, I guess. And, and the same could be said for us with some people that left this program. Uh, we've certainly been aided by additions to the our program from the transfer portal and, and so have they I mean, they've uh they lost some good players in it but man they've got they've added some really good players as well so it's probably a you know a fair comparison but i'm sure coach heupel would say the same thing that i'm saying i mean i'm not worried about um uh competing necessarily with tennessee 365 days a year it's we're trying to do what we can do to make our program the very best that it can be uh, day in, day out, and, and uh, you know, we're all chasing the same goal, and that's to be playing in Atlanta one day for the SEC championship, and they're working hard just like we are to get that done. Looking at South Carolina, what are some of the challenges they do offensively uh, and defensively for, for you guys? Uh, on the defensive side of the football, uh, they've been really good uh, up front. Uh, they've created turnovers. Uh, they attack the football. Uh, we got to do a great job of taking care of it the last two weeks. Uh, that's been really important, done a good job. There's things that we've pointed out on film where the ball is loose and, and uh, you got to be ready for a defender to be there and, and uh, we can be more consistent, better with the football in our hands. Offensively, we've got to do a great job of, of dominating the line of scrimmage. I, I think that's going to be critical in this football game, force them into, into third and long situations and then be able to play really good third down defense. And that can be 
you know, base four down, or it can be bringing pressure, or it can be drop eight, too. Uh, I didn't think we executed early in the football game the way we're capable of on third down. <clears throat> Just what have you seen from Hendon over the last couple of games? Seems like he's really starting to hit a stride, both from an efficiency standpoint and taking care of the football. It's been better taking care of the football with the ball in his hands. Uh, some of our meshes have been better, more consistent. I think that happens is you get more time on task together with the same guys. Uh, I think as much as anything, great comfort and understanding of what we're doing, uh, the tempo. Uh, he's been really um, in control of what's going on at the line of scrimmage. Been really good with his eyes, and that's allowed him to, to be really decisive with the football. Uh, was extremely accurate the other day. A lot of that stems from eyes in the right place, seeing things really clearly. It allows you to get your body in the right spot. Coach, I'm not an NFL scout, but you probably don't have the most talented front seven in this league, but those run numbers have been really good with the exception of Florida. Can you just talk about the job Coach Banks is doing and how you guys are getting that done? Yeah, um, uh, defense staff has done a phenomenal job, starting with Coach Banks, uh, his ability uh, to get buy-in from his players, trust from his players is, is where everything starts in the whole process. But then his ability to be multiple, um, you know, <laughs> with what we're doing on all three levels of the of the defense, from front to, to the alignments in the second level, to our coverages on, on the third level, and being able to incorporate it and teach it in a way where kids understand it and, and can reason it out as things change with what the pictures you're seeing on the offensive side of the football. Sounds easy, it's really difficult. Um, the ability of all of our coaches to be great teachers and uh, to allow our players to understand the fundamentals and technique that we want to play with. Um, it's, a, it's a unique group over there on the defense side of the ball. They've done a phenomenal job, starting with, with Coach Banks, but to the assistant coaches as well. All right, Shane, the other game I wanted to uh, preview with you here is your second favorite team, so I had to do it. LSU at Kentucky here on Saturday <laughs> night. Once again, it's going to be rocking there in Lexington. They've uh, officially announced it's going to be another sellout. So these fans are feeling good. They're probably still in our mentions from over the weekend here. But, uh, you know, a lot on the line. But I think everybody and their mother is going to be picking Kentucky to win this ball game. But still, while LSU has been struggling, they're going to have a major advantage when it comes to overall talent in the match. Uh, I think, you know, the fact that Kentucky keeps winning. But I think we're it, we're overlooking the fact that the offense is, man, it's struggling, brother. Uh, outside mm -hmm. of Wondell Robinson making big plays from time to time, and Chris Rodriguez is uh, showing up every week if he's not fumbling. But still, Will, Le Will Levis is continues to turn the ball over. I mean, he had thrown the interception that set up Florida's field goal that was eventually blocked and returned. I mean, that was the difference in the ball game. Mm -hmm. But if not for that, I mean, I think we're sitting here saying another interception killed Kentucky and may have lost him that football game. So – I don't know, Shane. I think this is a little sneaky of a matchup here because I, I think LSU may be able to take advantage of uh, Kentucky's secondary a little bit. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could play this a couple different ways. And for starters, I'd like to, again, thank all the Kentucky fan base <laughs> for accepting my apology. Uh, so, uh, and, and a lot of them are just begging that I don't make them the lock of the week, <laughs> <laughs> a revengeful bet. But uh, I, I'll tell you, man, Kentucky, it, it's not been pretty, but they find a way to win each and every week. And my only concern is that sloppy play could catch you 
any game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's about caught them in three straight games, Mike. And that's something they can't afford to do. You should not come into this game confident. I don't give a shit who's favored. If they favor you by three or four touchdowns, I mean, prime example, throw in the UT Chattanooga video. There's no reason that this program should ever come into a game confident that they're going to win. And that's how they keep winning. That's how you keep winning is is game prepping. You hear that same old stupid slogan, you know, it's a game at a time. Well, sometimes – you know, it's easy to say that it's harder to do, and I think that's what Kentucky needed because they've had some, they've had some humble pie along the way. I think they come in, they focus on LSU because you got an LSU team coming in here right now with their back against the wall. If Coach O is hiding any type of play calling, if he's got a, I'm telling you, if he's got a player that maybe kind of hurt or something like that, they all play in this week because LSU needs a victory. So this is a dangerous program because they got nothing to lose. Kentucky's the only team that's got anything to lose this week out of this game. So yeah, there is a lot of pressure on this. Yeah, one. And it's such an interesting spot because you you would have thought that would be flipped going into the preseason, but yeah. Uh, and you know it's not I'm not sitting here saying Kentucky's got a horrible defense or anything that they're playing better and better on that side of the ball but you know who it, in the SEC Florida is is not really dynamic passing attack we just saw that uh South Carolina mm-hmm. they really struggled to throw the ball and I mean the the team that you face with a good passing attack Missouri just kind of sliced and diced you up so that's right. why I'm a little concerned that LSU Max Johnson if they rebound if they're able to have a consistent performance here, you know, they could be going into a, a game and it's just like you said, man, they have got nothing to lose in this matchup because mm-hmm. everybody's going to be picking them uh, to get blown out by the Kentucky Wildcats. But as good as Kentucky is, LSU's got the talent advantage across the board here. That's that's what Kentucky's got to do. they got to slow this game down. you got – one of, I mean, the off. You're talking about an offensive line that really has emerged. It is the Kentucky Wildcats. This running game, you're going to need to lead hard on it. The last thing you want is Will and Max Johnson getting into a shootout. That pay that plays favorite with LSU big time. That's what Coach O wants, you know. So just Will Levis, I, I'm. I love him, man. I mean, he comes out, he's he's eating bananas without peeling them, he's putting mayonnaise and coffee, whatever. I don't, I don't care what little trick or video or story I've got to hear this weekend. I want to hear a boring game. If Kentucky wants to win this thing, you're not going to do it by being sexy. You, you, you got to do old-school Kentucky football, and you can win this game. If you get in a shootout, man, LSU's going to take your lunch. Just so many opportunities, you know. It, it, and again, you've heard me talk a lot, John, about um, you know play here, a play there. You know, with an offense, you can't afford to do that. Not in the SEC against a quality defense. You know, with a great defensive coach, great players, you can't miss things when they're there. When we try to come back to them, they're fixed. You know, whether we exposed it or not, you know, and that's what good coaches, good teams do. You know, there were some plays there. Maybe we missed it. Quarterback's eyes were in the wrong place. We come back to it. It's no longer there. You can't miss those opportunities. you got to hit them at the right time, the right moment. We're still just a bit off there. But, again, we're doing the right things. What I see is I'm very positive. We're doing the right things. It's going to happen. Uh, Will's going to play better. But I believe in what we're doing and the whole group, and, and uh, it'll come around. Yeah. 
patted on the back about what they've done on Saturday, how can you realistically expect them to kind of get back down to earth? Because we've been humbled already this year, you know, with our play. You know, and and I always tell the players that you have, you know, in in our business, you're gonna get opportunity to be humbled every seven days, and uh, you know we have been humbled, and uh, you know fortunately we were able to to get away with a win, but we haven't played our best football, so they they see the proof. Now <clears throat> now I hope they're just hungry, and 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 I believe they will be. You, you were young defensive coordinator at one point. What can Liam, as a young offensive coordinator, learn from Saturday, especially going up against somebody like like Todd Grant? He, he'll learn with every opportunity. You know, he Liam's bright. He had, he's got to stay confident, stay with what we do. I'm very confident in him, uh, Will, and the in the offense. And uh, and you know, those those are uh, those are scars. You know what I mean? Those are those are you know that that's what happens. You become a better coach. Um, by tough times, you know, you, you don't forget those moments, you know, you, you, you learn from them and, and this is uh, a big boy league and certainly play some really good defense. And so you got to stay confident, stay with what you believe, you know, continue uh, to do those things. That doesn't mean you learn. You know, how many times have I been accused of being hardheaded? It's not that you, I always say I want to learn, you know, but you also have to stick with and stay with what you believe. And what you know is right, and and then also open your eyes and find your blind spots and where can you improve. Hey, coach. Good morning. Um, morning. Jay Peets, uh, real bright guy. Highly recommended. His first time being an offensive coordinator uh, during your preseason games and whatnot. Did you guys really practice calling in plays and, and everything? Sure. And did you feel like you had a good grasp on that? Yeah, we we practiced calling in plays. In fact, uh, because we had two new coordinators. Uh, our team periods, mostly our team periods are scripted, but in camp we went one team period scripted, one team period not. We let them call plays. Uh, we worked on taking the field with 25 seconds less. Uh, that's called in the winning edge. So most of those things have been worked on. It's more challenging during a game with the crowd noise and the chaos. Yeah, and yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, yeah I'm sure it is. You know, they, they, Jake's trying to do a tremendous job. I believe in him. There's just a couple of things that we got to get fixed. Hey, Coach, talking to Max after the game on Saturday, he, he was very frustrated, obviously, as he should be. And I, I'm just wondering, with, with him, the whole offense, the team, where's the trust and the faith level for Jake Peets as a play caller? Well, you know, here, here's the thing. i got to take the responsibility for that. i got to talk to the team, uh, talk to the offense, and I'll continue to talk to them on the things that we have to get fixed. Uh, there are some things that are very fixable. You know, we just need to settle down. Mostly just call the play and let it go and, and not try to change the play. I think that's where we're getting into most of our problems. I think this it's not that the guys are not working. It's not that they're not trying. I think they're trying a little too hard. So uh, we need to simplify what we're doing on offense and let our players play. All right, hey, Shane, I lied. One more. Let's kick it on down to uh, Tuscaloosa College Station where we got Alabama and Texas A&M. And, man, this game – because of the Aggie struggles, mm. obviously this has lost so much luster. Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago they announced this was a sellout in Kyle Field. It's CBS on SEC, the the game of the week in the SEC. At least that's how they all planned it. But mm-hmm. now we're you know we've got a red hot Alabama, number one in the nation by uh, I think both polls currently. And man, I, I don't know. It's hard to get hyped up for this game, but as depressing as that may sound, 
I'm wondering, Shane, if you think, does that help Texas A&M? Because, you, you know, there's not pressure to win this game. It's not, you know, you're not going to get a week of hype and, and a week of uh, crazy dumbasses like myself picking you to pull off the upset. I mean, everybody's <laughs> going to be picking Alabama. Alabama tradition yep. traditionally has dominated A&M. Uh, I don't know. In a weird way at all, does that does that help the Aggies at all this week? Absolutely, Mike. I'm telling you, if you told me to pick one game in the offseason that I'm most excited about watching, it would have been this one. But you asked me this week, it's not the best game this week, mm-hmm. if you ask right, me. Right. You no, know, it's just it's just that's where we're at right now. But that like you said, the the pressure's off. I mean, Alabama's they're watching the same film that we watch. They're gonna think they're gonna come in there and they're gonna steamroll Texas A and M and get a victory and go home. Texas A&M has no pressure. They don't. If they want to try some new stuff, this is the week to do it. I think I think that plays a huge favor for the Aggies. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, we're going to see how this thing I, – I, I'm kind of surprised CBS didn't flex out this thing <laughs> and say, hey, let's, let's put somebody in there. But you're still in prime time, baby. So, I mean, there's still going to be a little added pressure being the 330 game on CBS. So – uh, but yeah, this this one I think pay, plays in favor for because they could sit back and they say, you know what, let's just let's just have fun, man. Let's just let's give these boys a hard time. So I don't know. I am kind of looking forward to this game still, but it does suck that that we got a two loss Texas A and M team going in. Right, and actually, Shane, they've uh, they've made this a doubleheader weekend in CBS. So this is going to be a night game on CBS, but. I think again that. Oh, is this a night game? Yep. Oh, okay. My yes, bad. sir. So it'll be uh, uh, Georgia at Auburn will be at three thirty, and then this Alabama at A and M at eight o'clock Eastern. Oh, okay. But I again, I think that helps the Aggies even more uh, because yeah. you're getting a, yeah. a rowdy crowd, a sold out crowd, and you know the key, well, one of the main keys, of course. I mean, <laughs> there's many keys to Alabama's success, but so far this season they have just been jumping on people right out the gate. And I think mm-hmm. I think that's the only way AM wins this game. You gotta prevent Alabama from jumping on you. You've gotta give the fans hope early in this game because you know they damn near won them the Mississippi State game last week, just how loud and intense mm-hmm. they made it. And hell, if you're an Aggie, you've you already bought your tickets, you might as well show up and uh <laughs> go wild in this one and, and maybe you'll see a historic matchup here. And, you know, Zach Calzada, you know, I, I continue to say, you know, it's not like he's this horrible player. It's just like he's just, right. he's just missing, you know, open touchdown here, but he's just barely missing them. And who knows? I mean, if this is the week he puts it all together, I mean, that's an incredibly tall task going up against Alabama. But if he's able to put that together, I mean, hell, I think he's only started three games in his career. So, uh, it, we mm-hmm. shouldn't be like just throwing him out to say, you know, he just can't play at this level. Who knows, man? Maybe this Saturday night, it was the legend of Zach Calzada will be bored. <laughs> and, and you know, that, that puts you right back in the thick of things in the SEC West. And this has been a crazy, crazy season already. And the craziest thing of all would be Alabama going down to the uh, Texas A&M Aggies. But, if, again, if you go to strictly talent, I know Alabama's got – better talent than uh, Texas A&M, but it ain't by much, brother. I mean, the Aggies are right, right there. You know what? They 
they ain't got the SEC championship. You know what I'm saying? This is their championship game. Right. That's the way I would I would present it if I'm Coach Jimbo. It's like, hey, listen, boys, all eyes are still going to be on us, and they're going to remember what we do tonight. They're not going to remember what we did the last few weeks or what we didn't get accomplished. This is the night they're going to – let this be the night that you finally have somebody dethrone Nick Saban. I mean, that's the championship. That's – that's all you need right there. That's the rat poison you need all over your lockers down there. <laughs> and could you imagine, Shane, if somehow Texas A&M does it and then they come out and they extend Jimbo once again a week after all this hot seat talk, you know what? <laughs> Absolutely, man. That would be awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, was there, first, was there any update on Jason McClellan? Yeah, Jace is uh... – Got a knee. Uh, he'll he'll be out for the year. Uh, he's going to have surgery tomorrow, um, so he's out. You guys have started um, just about every game pretty strong. Uh, why do you think that is in terms of offense and, and defense? Well, I guess it says something about good preparation, um, and the players have good intensity to start the game. Um, I think, you know, what we keep talking about is. How can we sustain that? How can we, um, you know, keep that energy level up for 60 minutes in a game? Um, hopefully, you know, we learn a lesson about it's not just how you start, but it's how you finish relative to, especially when you're playing on the road, um, which is what I hope we learned at Florida. You know, we got off to a good start and then, you know, started to, you know, be pretty average in terms of how we executed and what we did. And the consequence was that as the other team gets the momentum of the game and comes back on you. So um, we, we, we have to be able to continue um, to get over the hump and keep playing in, in every game. Coach, this team's no stranger to playing Alabama or mm -hmm. even playing the top-ranked team. So th does this team right now have what it takes to, to pull off the upset on Saturday? And well, what's well, that going to take? If we practice well and play well, and we will. We have to go get a good plan. We have to practice it. And we have to uh, perfect it during the week, and then we have to execute it on Saturday. And is there any more, I guess, excitement or energy knowing that uh, you guys have them at home and just to have a, a team like that at Kyle Field? No, listen, every, every game to us as a player should be the same. Your opponents are faceless. That's great to be in a big game and all that, but you can't look at that. You have to play the same no matter what you do, how you do it, and how you prepare it. Each and every week has to be exactly the same. And I know people don't believe that and don't think about it. If you're going to, be, if you're going to do it and do it well consistently, that's what you have to do. Coach, obviously you're around Zach every day. Where do you think he is confidence-wise right now, and how do you make sure he gets I the I think best? he progressed in, in, in the game. There's a place – anytime you're the quarterback and you don't win, everything is going to be scrutinized. And every throw, you touch the ball every time. And there's some, there's, there's some throws and plays he'd like to have back, surely. And that, but I, that's mostly every quarterback you ever play. And, unfortunately, if we'd have made one more play and won the game, maybe it wouldn't be pushed as much. But that's the world – again, that's part of it. And I think he's learning, growing. I think his confidence – We, as you watch film with him, he understands things, and he's getting better and better each play. And – you know, and, and I think he believes in himself wholeheartedly, and I think our players believe in him. Italian. Against Mississippi State, we saw Haynes King move off of his scooter and onto crutches on the sidelines. How is he progressing in his recovery and still staying on the playbook? Oh, he's good. He's, he's, he's in every practice. I mean, he's in every play. If you look, he's talking to uh, Zach every time he comes off the field, gaining information, helping, talking. I mean, Haynes is in every meeting, everything we do. He loves it. And I mean, he's healing, but it's going to be – I mean, he has to heal up. He, he, he has a broken, broken ankle, so that doesn't just – you know, it'll be a long time. 
I think we're going to make sure he's fully healthy in the things he does. And he's, but he's progressing very nicely in what he's doing. But his his mind is into the game game plan, calls, meetings, helping, seeing everything. He's doing everything he can possibly do. Coach, when you guys go through a losing streak, even if it's just two games, how beneficial is it to have some, some veteran guys on the team to help keep them around the locker Well, you do, and guys have been through things and understand they're more mature and, and understand that I always say things are never as good as they seem and never as bad as they seem. You have to, and, and, they're, and if they're going to change, you have to change them. And I think the veteran guys help the young guys with that because I think young people get so outcome-oriented, just like everybody did. We come outcome-oriented, and the way you change the outcome is change the fundamental day-to-day process of being fundamentally sound and, and being able to play that way consistently down in, down out. And like you say, the other day, if we make one more play, we're in good shape. But a lot of the, all those games, that's the way they all get to, whether you win them or lose them. If you'll go back and look at most of your games when you're playing the SEC competition or big competition, it gets down to one or two plays, and you've got to be able to make them and execute at those key times. And I think older guys can help our young guys explain that to them and help them get through it. All right, brother, so uh, that's all I got on this episode. You got anything before we hop off the line? No, man. I just, again, I, I, I appreciate all the fan support coming out. Uh, the, the koozies will be in the mail later this week. Mm-hmm. If you got an iPhone, you got your brothers, sisters, mom, dads, doesn't matter. You're there at a family event this weekend. Grab their damn iPhone. Send in a five-star review. We'll send you more koozies. You got one in there? Well, you, well hell, get two koozies. <laughs> get one for your wife. So, uh, but anyway, that's... I appreciate the effort everybody's uh, done for us this week. I'm telling you, this has just been exciting. Watching the pod grow this year has been exciting. Watching the YouTube grow, it's just, I I cannot wait to see what this thing looks like five years. You know, Dan may not be in Gainesville in five years, but by God, we will be. We'll be right here. So, and that's because of you guys. Absolutely. Like Shane said, if you haven't already, check us out on the YouTube. We're we're right at uh, three and a half thousand subscribers and we just launched the thing so Mm -hmm. uh, we're posting daily video content over there including press conferences and things so it's not just the show but uh, we do appreciate each and every one of you for your continued support and that's gonna do it catch you on the next one all right see you bye go balls